This time, we were the ones in need of a detective. We knew a guy from our time with the Flashes, and even if he was on a road trip, we knew he'd drop anything for a good mystery. It was time for us to check in on the elongated man. Hi, my name is John. And I'm Matthew. And we are the DC Detectives. It is our job to go back through the annals of DC Comics history and chronicle the evolution of all your favorite heroes from start to every reversible finish. I'm excited about these because they're silly. Yeah, uh, that's a good word for We're doing for, The yeah. Elongated Man uh, for our coverage today. Uh, preface for The Elongated Man. We haven't covered him really individually very much, if at all, uh, mainly because he has been appearing in other people's comics predominantly as a sidekick, guest star, uh, secondary character. Um, but for those of you who don't remember who the Elongated Man is, it is Ralph Dibney. He is a guy who is really, really interested in circus and carnival contortionists and decided to I, like science a way to becoming as you know limber and flexible as those individuals. Uh, developed a soda formula an elixir some some kind of drink called gingold g-i-n-g-o-l-d that makes him super stretchy it makes him dull you know yes makes him dull seem from street street fighter um but he is incredibly stretchy they refer to him as the ductile detective uh (laughs) oftentimes um but he is—he's just a just a guy. He has no secret identity. Like he goes either by the Elongated Man or Ralph Dibney, um, and he is married to a woman named Sue, and uh, they just kind of travel doing detective stuff. I I guess like he's more of a murder she wrote kind of a guy than like you know Batman mm-hmm. or the Green Hornet. Like he's much more of a like mystery of the week sort of fella, less less so daring do in the face of aliens. That's kind of what he does with the Justice Leaguers that he hangs out with, like Flash and Batman and so-and-so. Um, he's much more of a grounded detective sort of character. Um, Private Eye. And um, that is really all you need to know about him getting into this. Like he, His first appearance was in The Flash. Um, and him and Flash hit it off great after sort of a... like competitive rivalry they're now friends and they kind of do uh, cases together uh in so much that even uh kid flash has done a mission Uh with uh the elongated man so like they're so close that like flash is like i'm gonna be out of town can you make sure kid flash is okay when he goes on a mission and the elongated man's like you got it so um i I need you you, so you guys can't see the camera but john throws (laughs) up the thumbs up i need you to like distort your arm in a weird way and like make the thumb go way up very like turn it it might make my thumb larger like an animaniac it's uncomfortable Um, and hilarious uh but yeah so that is the elongated man also as a preference all these stories are gardner fox Mm mm-hmm so, for those of you who have been keeping score at home and following along since we've been doing the podcast, Gardner Fox is a very specific way of writing. He just does. Um, the stories don't need to be incredibly concrete. The science, as wishy-washy as need be to serve the plot, with a focus on the unique and the extravagant or the uh, otherworldly. Gardner Fox is a person who writing wise prioritizes the cool and unusual over any other sort of grounding aspect in the writing he's much more of a rule of cool writer yeah um nothing against him because frankly his batting average is a lot better than some other writers just is he's gotten a lot better since we've seen his writing in the 1930s but if you put goofy stretchy detective man and rule of cool writer in the same room, weird stuff is going to happen. Um, you know, like just out of out of a, a forewarning. Um, I didn't think these were bad. Mm-hmm. I thought these were fun and and silly at a departure from like anything self serious and frankly just a just better than Batman at the moment because Batman is so devoid of character. And devoid of 
like foundation that these mm-hmm. have very concrete character aspects to them which made them a lot more enjoyable to me that allowed me to kind of get into the story a little bit more and invest a bit more because they weren't trying to like do who is this character? How does he do things? What are all the different varying things he can do? It was just like, he's stretchy and he's smart go versus like the Batman stories for the last two recordings that we've done. were like, Jesus Christ, pick a thing that he's good at and do it. Like just, just make a decision. And this is very much like, I would say the worst one is probably the last one because it is the least like the others. And I'm not even saying that that one was bad so much as it was just completely different than all the other stories that there are. And it is very like, ooh, if I had to rank them, this would be at the bottom. Only because it doesn't... It, it very much is one of these things that's not like the other, thematically. It's, it's worth noting at the beginning, just so that everyone has this in mind. Uh, the, these really are happening at the same time as the Batman stuff. Like, we are... This the first issue that we're going to cover is the issue where new look Batman begins. And that is the start of a new creative team on Batman because you have uh, like, again, we'll get into it, but you've got uh, Schultz, you've got uh, Carmen Infantino. You, well, you've got broom doing uh, the writing, but people who were doing those other comics came over and like the classic example is they were so unfamiliar with Batman that they had him holding a gun on people yeah. but th- these are the, these people who are who were brought over who are doing this backup feature for Elongated Man uh, are people who were doing the Elongated Man before so there is some continuity there it's a much more cohesive team yep um, the art style I think fits it very well <laughs> yeah uh, yes <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, there's a there's a lot happening, and we'll get into that. Uh, thank you, Joanne, for our, our for you know sitting through our preamble. Uh, but we're going to begin with Detective Comics number three twenty seven, May nineteen sixty four. Uh, Ralph is is miffed that no one recognizes him when they come through customs from Canada back to the United States, um, but does hear that there is a group of diamond thieves that have left Canada and are hiding out in the United States, and he's curious and maybe he thinks he wants to catch them. And uh, as always. Um, Ralph's nose twitches comically uh, whenever he smells a mystery. Uh, and by twitches, I mean it looks like it's just like bouncing up and down um, because he's stretchy, it can. Um, when they crash for the night at a hotel, they wake up in the morning and they realize their car has been driven an extra 10 miles. And Ralph begins to investigate and finds that the diamond thieves used their car in the middle of the night to like stash the loot somewhere else. Um, and then he tracks them down and gets them arrested. And, uh, when they're back in town, Ralph now has a sign on his back that lets everybody know that he's the elongated man because he wants people to know he's a superhero. Um, all the while Sue is, is pushing his buttons and giving him a hard time and kind of like being a little sassy. I don't want to say like mean, Mm -hmm. but like, she's just giving him a hard time in a playful way. Um, they have a very loving relationship. It's worth it. It's worth acknowledging. This is probably one of the best relationships we've seen in comics. Yeah. Because they are equals and they 100% give each other the exact same amount of shit the other gives each other and they seem very comfortable. And that's really refreshing. Uh, there is there is no instigative um, antagonism or problem. In their relationship. I'm, I have to make this reference because we're watching this right now, uh, my fiance and I. This is season four, Buffy. It isn't season one to three where Xander is an absolute dipshit. It's amazing. It's amazing when there aren't secrets between people that they can just have good, good quality relationships. It turns um, out. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Detective Comics number 328, June 1964. Uh, Ralph hears about a stolen barn door from a guy who uh, he helps fix his flat tire that they see on the side of the road. And he can't get it out of his head as they drive into Miami. Uh, it's, it, I guess it's Miami. They say Florida. They don't really specify a city. I'm thinking that they drive into Miami because there's like big fancy hotels and like casinos and stuff. Um, 
so they they drive they're driving into Florida and Sue is upset that they're not going to like a fancy hotel for dinner because Ralph is trying to solve the case while they're, you know, on vacation. And uh, he finds the person who stole the barn door. And the reason they stole the barn door is he stashed a bunch of money in it uh, before he got arrested. And now the guy's out of jail. He hired somebody to steal this barn door so he can get his money out of it. Uh, Ralph captures him, turns him over to the authorities and splits the reward money with the uh, farmer whose barn door got stolen to like compensate him for the door. And, uh, Later, he sees the uh, the farmer and his wife at the same resort that he and Sue are staying at. That's kind of a nice little, like, everything comes full circle. Because the farmer in the very beginning is like, we live outside of town because we can't afford to live in that expensive city. So the farmer got to go on vacation, which is nice. Everybody wins, except for crime. Uh, Detective Comics, number 329, July 1964. Ralph and Sue see a cowboy with a purple horse. Like, the horse is painted purple. And Sue is like, what? the hell is that? And Ralph's like, I don't know. She's like, what do you mean you don't know, Mr. Inquisitive Detective? You don't care about a purple horse? And he's like, eh, not really. And so she takes it upon herself to investigate what's going on. Uh, Ralph then becomes embroiled and, and fixated on this guy with this purple horse. And he's the guy with the horse is looking for gold. And as he finally finds the gold, he's surrounded by uh, bad cowboys this is the only real way to describe it. I don't want to say like outlaws because it's the 1960s, but bad cowboys. Um, and Ralph helps defeat them. And the guy explains that he was given a prophecy by a Native American man several years ago that uh, gold would be found in this location atop uh, by somebody astride atop a uh, purple horse. So he painted his horse purple. Pretty it's, sure someone's going to get mad about that. <laughs> it's... Uh... It really is indicative uh, or emblematic of Gardner Fox's good enough writing. It, yeah, yeah, it's like fine. the things come together because they come together just enough. Yeah. Would you say that this is a, a stretch? <laughs> yes, I would. I'm going to embrace that wholeheartedly and say yes, that is a stretch. <laughs> some some of the plots are very much a stretch, and it fits because it is it is the elongated man. Uh, Detective Comics number 330, August 1964. Uh, Ralph and Sue run out of gas as they continue their meandering across the United States and the world for reasons unknown. It's not We're not quite sure why they're not home in a particular city. I want to say uh, that there was a point in before this reading uh, where they were on honeymoon, but it, there's no indication of that now. They're just rolling into town. Yeah, they get married at some point in the earlier coverage when we see them, and then now they're just doing this forever, I guess, which is fine. I mean, like, no shame. Elongated man van lifing before it was cool. Um, but they uh, they break down, and uh, they go to a house that's nearby cause that the you know to ask for help for gas. And the woman there greets them. She's like, oh, my gosh, so-and-so, my father's long-lost friend, what are you doing here? And Ralph immediately kind of picks up that these people are, like, in trouble and they need help. So he, like, starts to play along until the bad guy comes out and he's like, all right, Ralph, we know it's you. Give it up. Because Ralph is a famous superhero. <laughs> and the one time his fame is acknowledged is the worst possible moment when he's trying to superhero. Um, <laughs> so they're like, all right, we know you're the elongated man. We have all these people hostage. Do some crime for us. And we'll keep everybody safe. And he's like, sure. So he goes and double crosses the bad guys during the crime that they are forcing him to commit and then saves everybody. It's just very funny that the one time Ralph actually gets recognized, it is the one time he doesn't want to be. Um, that I thought was very funny. <laughs> but hey, continuity. He's finally getting, you know, social awareness uh, mm -hmm. for his fame. Uh, Detective Comics number 331, September 1964. Now, we've covered this entire story already. This was in our Batman coverage. Go listen to that. That is the, the Museum of Mixed Up Men story that was like really wishy-washy because it's Gardner Fox trying to write somebody that he really shouldn't write, um, i.e. Batman. Um, it was dumb. It wasn't a great story. It was quite possibly the worst out of these, but I'm ignoring that as elongated man coverage because he's a second banana in that one. Um, but we're going to skip it. Yeah, he has very little presence in that story. He really did. It was it was non-existent. Like, he didn't even need to be in that. It was just kind of like, uh, we're doing a whole issue Detective Comics story, so why don't we put Elongated Man in it so people get Elongated Man? Book-length story. Yeah. Um, Detective Comics number 332, 
uh, October 1964, Sue creates an elaborate alien abduction slash mind control mystery for Ralph on his birthday. She just, she creates an entire caper to have him solve just because it's his birthday. Now, a couple things here. One, that's cute. Uh, two, I think you could have done this without worrying your spouse that you've been mind controlled and or replaced by an alien. There's a way to do this that, that isn't that. But then again, knowing Ralph, this might have actually been good because he would have figured out anything else if Sue had been not involved in some way. I don't know. There's some there's some in in universe reasons for this to be the way that it is. Here's the thing. You're overlooking the obvious the obvious, which is Sue wanted a chance to LARP. Yes, that you know what? That's actually fair. Sue could be really uh, missing her cosplay and LARPing career and uh, uh, you know, petitioning. I'm now petitioning for the new 52 version slash new reboot of DC rebirth version of DC to have Sue as a cosplayer. Um, <laughs> Sue just gets to Sue gets to be a baddie for a bit. Just I yeah. I get to I get to dress up as a space alien and say, oh, I took the place of your wife because she's hot. <laughs> Yeah, because she was so attractive. Come on, Sue. Come on. <laughs> we like Sue. Um, Sue's great. Uh, this, however, is a plot point later for multiple stories in the future with the elongated man is that Sue does this every year. And it is even a point brought up in Identity Crisis that Ralph didn't initially think anything was wrong at their home after Sue had been... Spoiler alert, Sue gets killed in 30 years um (laughs) in in comics sue's murdered in 30 years and it causes a big problem in in the dc universe um ralph doesn't initially think anything is wrong at their home because it's close to his birthday and he thinks this is sue's new caper because it's very common for her to do weird wacky shit like this on his birthday um which i just love i love that that's their thing is she does some weird bananas crazy mystery party for his birthday. Um, it's got to be fun for everybody. It's like you get to dress like, and the Justice League eventually gets involved in these to the point where I'm like, yeah, that has to be fun as shit. Nice. Like to get to use your powers in a weird way and not be yourself. Anyway, uh, Detective Comics number 333, November 1964. Ralph tracks a crook who is using hypnosis to trick people into placing valuable items where he can take them easily. Um, this is fine. It's, it, meh. it's not bad. It's not good. It just exists. It might as well have not have been an elongated man story. There's no reason for it to be an elongated man story. Just kind of like a generic Gardner Fox wanted to write somebody hypnotizing somebody. So Ralph happens to be the guy who deals with it. Final story that we're going to cover, Detective Comics, number 334, December 1964. Martin Bean, B-E-E-N-E, has discovered a way to make stretchy objects out of objects that the elongated man has touched previously. So a pencil, a pipe, any sort of object that Ralph Dibney has touched, this guy has found a way to alter it chemically so that the item itself can also stretch in the same way um, as the elongated man because he can't get himself to do it, so he's gotten these items to do it. And they have a stretchy battle because he wants to prove who's better at stretching, even though he's not stretching. Um, Ralph wins, and this guy is very dedicated now to, like, next time we'll see who wins. And a very sort of, like, why? Like, what is your motivation here? Like... It's not clear why this guy gives a shit about doing any of this. There's no financial motivation. He's not hard up for cash. He's not... Sue didn't wrong him in the past, or Ralph didn't wrong him in the past. There's no feasible or believable reason why he's so fixated on Ralph beyond just, like, your stretchy powers are cool. I wonder if I can do that. Well, no, I can't. So I can make items stretchy. Are my stretchy things better than your stretchy things? And it's kind of very like, why are we doing this? What is, what is the point here? Um, so that is the final story in our coverage. As you can see, it is kind of one of, it is, I mean, the last two stories are the weakest. They're, they're meh at best. And this one is very much like, Ralph doesn't have an arch nemesis, so let's give him one. But 
this guy, his entire deal is predicated on the fact that he can get items that Ralph touches. And if he can't, then he's kind of useless. <laughs> like, he's not really a threat so long as Ralph doesn't just leave a bunch of shit lying around that he touches. Or this guy has to travel across country to, to just nab things, like random accoutrement that Ralph has touched in, in the process of stopping crime. I don't know. It's very flimsy, comparatively. Um, but that's that's the end of our uh, our summarization coverage. Yeah. These were, I mean, the fact that we moved through them so quickly, I mean, it's worth noting, these are both literally short. Uh, yeah. These were backup comics, uh, backup stories in like three story, uh, well, not so much three stories because usually the Batman ones were like two parters, but like each of these covers a third of an issue. So we're not dealing with a lot of space, but also these are simple stories. There's... Gardner Fox is having fun. He's not doing anything deep. Uh, so, it, yeah, the, these are enjoyable. These are silly. They're, yeah, they're not I'm, anything deep. I'm not going to yeah. say that they're, like, bad. They're not bad. They're not yeah. bad in the way that Martian Manhunter comics were bad. Uh, you know, which were just, like, purposefully ignoring world building that they've done <laughs> for yeah. the sake of something. This Here they don't like, do world building. Yeah, and that's kind of why the last one sucks. Because I'm like, don't world build. Don't introduce the concept of caring about the last case. Like, now I'm going to be thinking about everything that Ralph does for the next five stories until this guy shows up again about like, oh, well, Ralph touched a flagpole. He touched a fire hydrant. Every slab of concrete he stepped on, like... Do I have to worry about, like, does Ralph have to worry about, like, toilets now? Uh, I have good news. <laughs> I have good news. Oh. Uh, looking at the DC Wikia antagonist, Marlon, Martin Bean, single appearance. Good. <laughs> yep. And this is also in the era of, what, Aunt Harriet and Alfred being dead for a little while. So. Yeah. <laughs> One and done, ignorable antagonists and, yeah. and side characters. Yeah. Things things that I care about. Ralph and Sue's relationship. Mm-hmm. I love it. It's cute. It's fun. It's refreshing. It like next to to Carter and Shaira and maybe Barry and Iris. Maybe when he when she's not mad at him for being late. Uh, probably the best. So, is this the moment for me to like the big thing that came to me as I was doing this, and I kind of went do. off the deep end on? I yes, I fully agree. I really like this relationship. Uh, and it, I think it is actually my favorite aside from the first couple issues of Green Lantern. Uh, Carolyn Hal. Uh. But even then, it might actually wind up being my favorite because it does an interesting thing. We we have talked about how Ralph's identity is not secret. That means that there is a very interesting thing that happens with him and Sue. Uh, I think Sue becomes the the face or personification of the normal the the normal world and the routine uh she is the the face of normal and when ralph goes from like oh normal things happening to superheroing she's the one that he steps away from but also she is a character with her own clear wants uh and she'll ask him to look into things change their plans or shop for clothes by herself while he's off being a superhero and these two things like ping pong off each other in interesting ways. Uh, and so here is, here is my view of it. So because everyone knows Ralph's identity, uh, her wants being different than his aren't just like, we can't discount her, the things that she wants to do or her priorities, the things that she would like to have happen just because, oh, she doesn't know the, the real story. Like she doesn't know that, 
oh, his time would be so much more better spent on uh, just superheroing all the time, all the time, all the time. No, she knows. And she's making informed decisions of, hey, can you look into this purple horse? Or I am going to go shop while you do this other thing. But also, like, she is making space for his wants. She is fine with him changing their plans to investigate a mystery because it makes him happy. So you have these fully informed characters with separate lives that overlap at points. And they are encouraging those separate things. That It's the go do the thing that makes you happy. It's, I, I had this moment... It's the go get him tiger line at, I think, the end of Spider-Man 2. It's, hey, mm-hmm. I, I am here. I accept that our lives overlap, but we don't share every part of it. Go do the thing, the other piece of you, and then come back. And I'll go do my thing, and I'll come back. It's, here are these fully formed, maybe fully formed is the wrong word, but these characters who have their own individual identities that overlap in terms of where they are and the and encourage each other i i just i really like this relationship for that reason that it is this people know and get it i guess it's i guess it's one of the things that some people like about like a wonder woman superman relationship uh in the sense of oh these are people who both get a piece of the other person uh, and so they can, they are both like fully informed of, oh, this is what is going through your brain. Like as you do these things, but, but it's, I, I like this better because it's this separate, this person who does not have that experience, but accepts the other person and encourages those yeah. things. Unlike the Adam's girlfriend mm-hmm. whose life almost revolves around the Adam or working with the Adam and then kind of talking to Ray or Sue Sue's not impressed. <laughs> yeah. And not in a like, ooh boy, you're a superhero who gives a shit. In a like, you're still Ralph. Mm-hmm. You you don't have a secret identity. You're still Ralphie to me. Go go be a superhero. She treats this like his day job. Yeah. You know, were he to be the elongated man or a insurance salesman, she would act probably the exact same way. I, I'm gonna I'm gonna push back on it just a little bit because it's not like a job has the drudgery aspect. It's it's the hobby aspect of it. I almost want to say like here you you know what he is. It rem, he reminds me a lot of like a birder, so a bird watcher who mm-hmm. just like oh I heard that. I heard that, oh, that's the bird that you haven't been able to see for a long time. Go find that bird. Yeah. Yeah, I can see that. I, I guess it was also, I, I guess I, I looked at it as job, not in a like monotony way, in the more mm. just like, this is what you do. Yeah. This is your, this is what this you is do. What you do. What that I is do. the good line to under, underline. You know. Um, and it's, it's refreshing. It's oh. nice. There's no stupid. I have to hide her, my identity from her plots while I also travel the f- fucking country. Like, I understand and love that as a trope in the genre that we read. We are reading superhero comics. The trope of the secret identity is quite entrenched mm-hmm. and part and parcel with being a superhero. Characters that don't have to worry about that, either by not having one or their partner being involved, have a uniquely interesting opportunity to have more interesting stories. I.e., the Hawks, they, they're equals. There's no need for him to hide his identity to Shaira or Shaira to Carter because they're partners, literally and figuratively. That's his wife, and that is his his literal partner on the planet in stopping crime in, in their city. They get to get different stories. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. They 
Yes, they do have to hide their identity from the chick who's got the hots for Carter at the museum and their their boss. But beyond that, they're they're equals. Um, Adam Strange and Alana. Mm -hmm. Yes. Their struggles are unique in not that they are trying. He's trying to hide his identity and it is trying to make an identity together. Who they are as a couple how they work together as a couple because of this obstacle of the Zeta beam radiation. Or is he truly at home on Ran or is she going to be accepted on earth? That's the conversation that they're going to have. Not Alana can't know I'm a huge dork because I'm an anthropologist or archeologist. Like, no, it's he has to keep his identity secret for some reason to the rest of the world, that's not clear, but his wife gets to know who he is. This is very much like I almost feel there's a sense of relief in these stories. Gardner yeah. Fox doesn't have to play the same game of oh god, there's no secret identity. In fact, the irony of the opposite being the case that Ralph wants people to know he's a superhero. <laughs> that was good, yeah. It's actually a, a mocked point that Ralph doesn't like that people don't know he's the elongated man or that the elongated man exists. And not in a narcissistic, everyone should worship me booster gold sort of way, but in a like, ah, my reputation precedes me kind of a way. Like, he wants to be Sherlock Holmes famous. Yes. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like, he doesn't want to be, like, rich. He wants to be well known off of his ability. It's not the hero worship so much as he wants he wants to have made it. And that's that's what he wants. And it's kind of and yeah, if this is his hobby, he gets to have that. Or if this is his job, he gets to have that want. Because it's like, yeah, you want to be recognized at your work or your by your boss or whomever. Yeah. Like this is literally what he does. And because he has no secret identity, he gets to do the whole like, do you know who I am? game. And that's kind of funny. And it makes him a little human and a little bit less godly, like Superman, Wonder Woman, or Batman. And the fact that he... Yeah, we can all relate to, like, feeling bummed out. Nobody knows who you are. Yeah. <laughs> and I think it's cute that Sue gives him shit. And, and in a very, like, sweetie, nobody cares. <laughs> it's like somebody who plays a bit part on, like, a TV, you know, daytime television show. But you know, I'm the I'm the the neighbor from Home Improvement, honey. Nobody cares. Like, and it's kind of cute, but also in the like, not to cut knock, not to knock him down a peg, but just be like, sweetie, we're in Canada. You haven't done any work in Canada. No one knows who you are. Of course, in- it's a reality check, not a put down. Yeah, I will say, I think one of the worst things that this comic could do in the future is put put sue more in the thick of it like having if she was constantly being like kidnapped uh if she was Mm. a sidekick helping solve the cases consistently especially in like non-goofy ways but like consistently like oh in the way that robin is or in the way that like kid flash or elongated man was backing up the other who knows who was the sidekick in those cases uh it's so nice for her to be able to be the one who kind of ribs him, who is a little bit distant, so she can tease him a little bit. And it's not, I, I don't know, I think that distance from the middle of everything makes it easier for her to do that. At at most, she's a member of the Instigation Nation. <laughs> oh, yes, extremely. Just um, the amount of times that a story kicks off with her. Right. Being like, I'm interested in that, or okay, you have my permission, go do the thing. Or did you hear that someone got shot in the head fifty thousand times by a squirt gun? Don't you think that's fucking weird? And you know, like like the fact that she can be used as a plot motivator and an encouraging person versus whatever the hell June was in Challengers that last time we read it, where it was just like, You guys yeah. suck. What are you doing fighting? <laughs> Knock it off. About that. Figure out a leader. Like, whatever the heck that was, absolutely not. Being an antagonistic force where there where none is needed is pointless. Because, like, now, don't get me wrong. Where the challenger is in the slump and not doing 
and not challenging the unknown and they were for whatever reason like you know pity partying and not doing their thing and june came in and was like get off your asses and be who i know you are because this isn't you and etc different than all right stupid come on yeah we're gonna we're gonna fix this and solve it i'm gonna give you all an arbitrary task with some weird junk that i found to determine which one of you is going to be the leader it's like you're giving you're giving us an obstacle for the sake of giving us an obstacle, as opposed to what Sue is. She's inceptioning Ralph. She's <laughs> yeah. making Ralph believe it's his idea to go do the thing by presenting him with an interesting thing and then letting Ralph decide if that's what he wants to do, as opposed to forcing it on him or allowing. I mean, not like she could stop him, but like allowing Ralph to have a flight of fancy. Sweetie, yeah. I'm gonna go check this thing out. Okay. It it is more upsetting to her that she is not getting to stay at a nice resort hotel and eat at a fancy restaurant <laughs> than it is that he is elongated manning. And and it's worth noting that was a particular bit where he hadn't explained the sh- the reason that they were doing that because they were look they were hanging around in seedier, cheaper areas looking for the specific person who was doing the stuff. Right. And it was there was a lack of communication there. Right. Um because and and then he makes it up to her. Yep. He then and then he checks him into a nice hotel and they have the the vacation she wanted. He's like, "Look, sweetie, I know you want to do the thing. I'm not ignoring you. I just didn't tell you that I wanted to solve this." Mm-hmm. And it's resolved. You know, versus her being like, "Are you insane? You don't want to look at a purple horse?" Is not out of like it, you suck. It is more like. What do you mean you don't care about this? How is your nose not twitching about a purple horse? And to him, he's like, my nose isn't twitching. Which to me means it's not a big deal. It'd be like Mary Jane being like, why aren't you looking at that pig that has wings? He's like, my spider senses aren't going off. I don't care. <laughs> you know? Like, it, 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 it was kind of funny that he was just like, babe, my nose isn't twitching. It's not that big a deal. Let it be. And in that instance, he was wrong. But it was interesting that, like, conceptually she knew him well enough that she was like, are you feeling okay? That the weird purple horse is not... That's not it for you today? (laughs) And he was excited about seeing the rodeo. Right. So he he did have another thing that was exciting. It was was flipped. Their role was was changed. He wanted to do the pedestrian thing and she wanted to do the superhero thing. And if, and I, and at the end it, it all worked out. But I just love the fact that she knows him well enough that she's like, "Sweetie, come on." You know, it's like whenever we drive past a, a <laughs> this is a stupid, very regional reference. But whenever we drive past a Del Taco, my girlfriend's like, "Babe, are you okay?" We didn't stop at Del Taco, <laughs> and I'm like, first of all, <laughs> we have somewhere to go. Second of all, it's three o'clock in the afternoon. We've just had lunch. I can't. We can't eat Del Taco. But it's it's you know it's somebody knowing them well and knowing him well enough to be like. Come on! If you go, if you drive past horses on the road and you don't say horses, 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 or cows, or if you drive past cows and you don't observe cows, if you don't just make this statement, if there's a cat and you don't say kitty, what is going yeah, on? Something is wrong. Um, and it just shows that they have a very close, yeah, knowledge of each other, which I appreciate. It's a little. It is a little aspect of characterization, a subtle aspect of characterization that. And could go a long way. I guess this this is the bit that tr- brings us down to earth. We hope it's intentional. Yeah. And we hope it's maintained. Because if not, if, if Gardner Fox is just like, oh, this is just a thing that I notice and I'm not deploying it intentionally. Which he does. <laughs> which he certainly does. I, I don't know if you had more about them. I know we've covered a lot with them. And I know these comics are quite brief so i don't want to like i don't want to like dig for the purpose of digging if you if you have more obviously we can um we're going to read another year's worth of these soon and we're going to see if gardner fox can continue keeping an even keel on these but i didn't know if you had much more other than what i noticed honestly just kind of brief and making sure that things we things we kind of talked about uh are explicitly called out uh Hey, reminder that this is the same time as the debut of, debut of New Look Batman. So the writers are Gardner Fox, 
Carmine Infantino doing pencils and often inking, sometimes Joe Giella, Giella, I actually don't know, and Sid Green inking, and then uh, Julius Schwartz being the editor. Giella? Yeah. Sounds good. Uh, And then Carmine Infantino, there's a particular line that he had that I thought really, like, captures what what we I think we both really liked about the the art style and it, it's actually it's interesting because for me Carmine Infantino I tend to think of musculature like not oh necessarily like beefy dudes but you can see he understands anatomy in his drawings and he brings it out like Flash looks like a man in spandex seeing the like the way that the spandex is shaped by the muscles underneath Instead of just, oh, here is shape of person. Uh, and Ralph is not that. Ralph looks like a Ralph looks like a dude. <laughs> and it's interesting to me that then what kind of takes its place is its animation style. Like the character the way that the way that Ralph moves is like a Looney Tune. And uh, Carmen Infantino really calls this out uh, in, I think, in a biography of, of his. Uh, I really liked Elongated Man because it was comical and I enjoyed drawing comedy. It was also one of my favorite strips because it was as close to animation as I could do in a comic book. I like being able to test the limits of the comic book form and this strip allowed me to do that. And yeah, when when it's put that way, it kind of clicked in. Yeah, he moves and he fights like a Looney Tune. Just the the cartoonish stretches uh, and stretches in different places. Like I'm so used to, okay, you get like the arm stretching or sometimes even the finger stretching. But there's a point where like his elbow stretches because he has to put like both his hands on a doorway uh, and so the person can see the hands and the face, but the elbow stretches around and like hits him in the back of the head. It's great. Yeah. It rules. I loved the, I loved when he stepped out of the hotel from his hotel window on like the 14th floor. <laughs> that's right. And just, and just like <laughs> let his foot drop all the way to the ground. I was like, that's hilarious. I love that. Oh yeah. The, it, it's not quite the same as the Aquaman thing of things are just cooler and more fun with fish than with other ways of solving problems but it's the same kind of idea of just the fact that you have this cartoonish animated character power set carries stories that otherwise would be very just mid here's something i hadn't thought of until we started talking about it the other Mm -hmm. stretchy guy that is very well known. Not Plastic Man, as much as I love Plastic Man, but Reed Richards from the Fantastic Four. It's fascinating that Reed is an absentee husband and father, absent-minded scientist, genius, who is rich and very stretchy. And Ralph is a blue-collar, puzzle-solving man of the people who wants to be famous but isn't quite with a very tight relationship with his wife. Fantastic Four was coming out a little bit before this run. Now, Elongated Man, I think, mm-hmm. came out or showed up just before the Fantastic Four did, but as a, as a series not existing before Fantastic Four. Mm-hmm. I wonder how much we need to make him not like Mr. Fantastic there is in his design i'm i'm actually i'm i'm gonna put i'm gonna put my invisible hypothetical money down i bet it's driven more by the fact that ralph isn't a leading character in the Mm. sense of he he starts off as oh he kind of guest appears in somebody else's story and he isn't and then he is like backup character and small space whereas reed richards does like i i actually it would be fascinating for me to go through like early fantastic four and see how early on like the negative side of reed richards is introduced because i i bet that's not a thing that gets like 
canonized until later on. Like absentee, like not paying enough attention. Yeah, but not or abs absent-minded and not paying enough attention. Rather, I bet that's in pretty early on. But I bet the the real oh you're like emotionally neglectful kind of thing. I bet I bet that comes in much later as a response and when the next generation of writers comes yeah. in. But the know. sociopath Reed Richards is very much a yep. mid two thousands evolution. But yeah. I wonder how much of it was a, you know, not being a Fantastic Four scholar in any sort of way um, is a thing. So, uh, but yeah, it was just a thing that I thought of. Just like, what other stretchy guys do we yeah. know of? Plastic Man, a very unserious dude um, <laughs> who is just like, boy, howdy, at least I'm not a criminal anymore. Uh, and <laughs> then it's Reed and it's kind of like, hmm, you're a very specific type of human. Yeah. I think you were absolutely right that intentionally or not, we do see like that mirroring. Yeah. Um, is that it for us? I think so. All yeah. right. We're going to go into recommendations. Um, we just finished this on Amazon prime. Uh, it is an anime for those who like watching anime. It is called Wotokoi. Love is hard for otakus. Um, it is a slice of life anime about people who are all, different versions of nerds, otakus in Japanese society, um, dating and how like connecting and communicating when you're different types of otaku, like one of them is very video game centric. The other one is very like manga heavy. One is very cosplay centric and okay with showing her otakuness. The other one is very like, I don't really like anybody to know that I'm a, I'm an otaku. And it's, it's, mo it's predominantly positive, but it is about, navigating relationships and talking about what you enjoy and like making sure that you're you're in a relationship for the right reasons and like you care about the other person and why you care about the other person it's very cute it's it's like 11 episodes um it's on amazon it's not subbed so for those of you who can't read very fast or who need glasses to read on the screen be forewarned um because that is a thing that i suffer with with anime i know a lot of people give me crap for watching dubs but i can't read that fast and sometimes stuff goes very fast on the screen and uh, I also need glasses um, when I watch TV sometimes, and that's just kind of a pain in the ass. Um, but uh, I think it's very cute, very fun, very positive and uplifting. If you're looking for something that is very low stakes and make you happy, 100% uh, go check it out. On my end, I, I think I am going to recommend Buffy. Uh, we, we watched the first two and like 90% seasons a while back like probably two years ago and wound up dropping it uh rebecca my fiance has already seen the entirety uh but i hadn't uh and especially after especially after what we learned about joss whedon and uh gender dynamics it the first three seasons are hard watches because there is so much in there that i can look and say oh that feels like the things that are under the surface, who knows to what degree that's actually true, but it became a hard watch because of that. And most importantly, the found family of the Scooby gang, just, it isn't there for me. Uh, and then in season four, that's not the case. And characters trust each other by and large and work with each other. There's the presumption of everybody getting along and working through things. And so if you have ever heard the positive positive things about Buffy and just like me didn't ha ever watch it growing up I don't know that I'd recommend starting there but it's probably not a bad idea to just watch that one season and decide whether you want to go any further uh because I had a lot of fun with that there is a, yeah with Joss Whedon there's always the like preface the writers you know hor you know thinly disguised fetish um is <laughs> like yep. it's he's very much uh, william Moulton marsden in a lot of ways in terms of just like mm, you're yep. pushing an agenda that you don't want anyone to know about there, there is something to buffy like i haven't watched a lot of it myself but i know that it is a very seminal piece of media because whedon's not bad at what he does you know like there's yeah. a reason oh yeah um, not to mention that cast is fucking stellar. Like the cast is, is very good. Those people are good actors and there's a reason they get work. 
um, and they can, you know, make anything look great. Um, Buffy is one of those like very intro to early supernatural cable TV shows. And it's, you know, it's, it's good. You know, there, there's definitely, it's much like the Simpsons. There is a golden era, you know? (laughs) Yeah. Fair. Um, but it is, I'm glad that you're enjoying it though. Like you've got to the part where you're enjoying now. Oh, I just realized what I should have been recommending. I've, I've only listened to the first two episodes of this, but the behind the bastards podcast did a six part series on Vince McMahon. Oh, wow. Only six parts. Yeah. They're like hour long episodes and they're usually, they only spend like an episode or two per person. Like they... I'm not 100% sure about this, but I want to say they only spent one episode on uh, uh, Heydrich Reinhardt. I think I'm remembering that mm. name right. So this this says something about what how they felt about Vince McMahon. And they spent the, enti- the entire first episode was barely, barely even reached Vince. It was, here's the context <laughs> of wrestling and how fucked up people are in it. Yeah. So when we say Vince McMahon is a monster, this is the context in which we're talking about. <laughs> Did they talk about his awful John Waters mustache that he's got right now? I don't think so. I, and I, if so, I haven't gotten to it yet. Like I, The episodes I've listened to have basically covered up through him meeting, like, meeting and starting to spend time with his uh, biological Ooh, father. Hates him. And that's the extent of it. <laughs> Perfect. Uh, well, anyway, now that we've... We got to do it once an episode, folks. A reference wrestling. Um, it's not. A, it's not an episode of this podcast sure. if we don't. So, thank you all so so much. We're going to be reading more Elongated Man for the next episode. I, uh, and when I say I, my, my girlfriend spotted a Task Force X collection, early Suicide Squad from the nineteen sixties. Oh, wow. So I think we're going to fold that into our coverage once we get to the S's. Um, some yeah. some pre Rick Flag um, Task Force X. Like when it's just four people uh, that are like not supervillains. So it's going to be really cool. It's unfortunately uh, written by our least favorite anti-feminist who's doing Wonder Woman right now uh, in the 1960s. Um, Kaniger. But what he did very well was write war stuff. That was his jam. So we'll see how it goes. Um, But... Yes, more elongated man to come, and then we will continue on. I think after him is Flash, and then we get to have fun, fun with Barry. See what what silly things he does with speed. DC Detectives can be found on SoundCloud and iTunes. To stay in the know, check out our Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. We'd had a fun time with the Dibneys. Ralph's adventures were brisk, and we always got a laugh out of how he used his stretchy powers. Plus, opening and closing every adventure with Sue gave us a glimpse of her agency, and there was much to admire about the way she and Ralph supported each other. For now though, it was time for us to step away from the Dibneys. The road was calling again, and we had other heroes to see, 